All the major news stories made simple and easy for your listening pleasure. We'll break it down for you in keywords for the segment. We're joined by Adam. Who else? Good morning. Well, hello, Lena. <laughs> hello. It's Adam. interesting that all those that many words added to the Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, twenty six. I mean, oh. doesn't it feel more significant considering well your British background? <laughs> I know. Yeah. It seems like the Brits are taking more interest in Korean culture and uh, mm. stuff. The <laughs> thing is, because if you think about the standard imposed yeah. by the Oxford English Dictionary, yeah. it applies to just about every English-speaking community. It yeah. means that, you know, Korean culture and these things are so popular. Right. Look at what's happening online and yeah. look at what happened with Netflix's Squid Game or yeah. BTS. Yeah. I guess the prowess is significant enough for us to add words that I can't mm-hmm. even decide if they're entirely Korean or not because mukbang, chimek, yeah. these are kind of abbreviated words too. Of Korean words, right. It, right, right, right. But what is Korean Korean? <laughs> oh, yeah. that is the question. I've, I've, I've heard a lot of um, foreign YouTubers, quite mm. prominent ones as well, using mm. terms like mukbang as if it was a general term that they use. You know, I mean, if you surprising. use it frequently enough, it becomes yeah. a thing. And yeah. if people recognize it for what it is, then yeah. I guess we get it added to the dictionary. I wonder if Merriam-Webster's dictionary has any Korean words. Uh, they do add a few, yeah. but yeah. I don't know mm. the extensive list on the top of my head. <laughs> I Sorry, asked too much there. <laughs> we'll get some further context on our Zoom in our interview segment today. Time for keyword news. As always, we'll clarify some of these major headlines for you this morning. Here's our first pick of the day. With Corona. The Committee on the Living with COVID scheme will uh, reveal its first draft of measures today. That is, uh, further details are set mm-hmm. to be revealed later today. What can we expect? Yes, they actually did uh, unveil mm. their first draft. It will be the yeah. final draft right, uh, right. today. And the committee will hold another meeting this morning to finalize that first draft that was unveiled earlier this week. They are eyeing next Monday uh, for the start date of the new scheme. It will be implemented in three stages. Under the first phase of the scheme, business hours of such facilities Entities like uh, restaurants and cafes Mm. will be allowed until midnight. The second level of the scheme will be focused on allowing more large-scale events such as concerts, and it's expected to kick off around mid-December. The final stage of the scheme is expected to kick off in late January, which will focus on completely lifting restrictions on private gatherings and Mm. pretty much all other uh, restrictions at that. Uh, The committee is to announce the details of the plan later today, though. Mm. That's Mm. kind of like the outline of it. There are some controversial elements elements like the potential vaccine pass, which seems mm. like the inevitable next step, but mm. there's some backlash. That is right. They will likely announce details of that vaccine pass system, uh, which requires a vaccine certificate or a negative test result for entry into these multi-use facilities. As you said, there has been some backlash, especially from unvaccinated people about mm-hmm. this pass. They say it discriminates against them, especially people who couldn't get shots due to health reasons. So mm. they didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, now, the first draft does state that these people may be exempt from the rule, but we'll have to see what the final draft says, and it'll probably have more specific measures on who is exempt from this rule and who isn't, and just about that whole vaccine pass system as a whole as well. Absolutely, Mm. because at least based on the first draft, what we can infer is that negative PCR tests could Mm -hmm. be used in place of, you know, benefiting from those same perks. However, Mm. that will require much more frequent testing to just do about regular things, like going to the gym, for example. Yeah, that's right. There's been a lot of mixed reactions to this 
this vaccine pass. A lot of medical experts as well. Mm. Uh, some are opposed to it, some are for it, mm. and it's a very divisive issue at the moment. So, yeah. Frankly speaking, though, in these three phases, I think it will be a continuous tug mm. of war because we're trying to strike this balancing act, I mean, alleviate the strain on the economy, but it is still mm. an ongoing health crisis, right, with the yeah. waning efficacy of the vaccines. But it's a bit peculiar because this vaccine pass system, uh, making mm. it a, kind of like a separate scheme or a separate system is mm. a bit strange because for those who have been vaccinated in Korea, mm. they automatically get a certificate anyway on their smartphone. That's true. And at least in the widespread QR system that we right. utilize anyway, yeah. from what I understand, if you've passed that two-week period right. you're supposed to wait out, it, yeah. it makes a loud announcement saying, yes, yeah. you're fully vaccinated. <laughs> right. It's a kind of embarrassing, too. It is a bit embarrassing, but, you know, mm. it lets the people know <laughs> that you're fully inoculated. <laughs> the owners of the business, the restaurant, as well as the uh, the people who are in it. <laughs> so they feel a bit safer. Who knows? That's a fair point. All right, we'll leave it there for now. We're still awaiting that final draft of that first phase mm. set to begin next Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take our attention to President Moon's trip to Europe. This is our second keyword of the day. Moon to meet Pope. So President Moon Jae-in has arrived in Rome, Italy, which will, and he'll kick off a busy diplomatic schedule. Uh, he's first meeting with Pope Francis and then attending the G20 summit. Uh, what's on his agenda going into this weekend? Right, those two meetings have just happened in Italy alone. He'll yeah. also head to Scotland and then Hungary as well. So he's got quite a, a busy itinerary planned mm. in Europe. Mm. Now, the meeting with the Pope is set for Friday, local time, at the Vatican. It'll be Moon's second meeting with the pontiff. The last one was in late 2018. They are expected to discuss uh, Moon's peace drive on the Korean Peninsula, as well as ways to resolve other pending global issues. These include the pandemic, uh, poverty and climate change, of course. Uh, The pontiff's possible visit to North Korea is Mm. also expected to come up during the meeting. The Pope has previously expressed a willingness to visit the North to promote peace, but Mm. that has been put on the back burner since the 2019 Hanoi summit between Kim Jong-un and then US President Donald Trump ended without a deal. Mm. Uh, Also, interestingly, Unification Minister Ian Young, in a rare move, will be participating in Moon's overseas Mm. trip as well, Mm. including the meeting with the Pope. That may be kind of an indication of priority in discussing North Korean matters. Exactly. It is seen as kind of Seoul's eagerness to promote uh, peace on the Korean Peninsula, especially with Moon not having that long left in office. Uh, along with the Vatican visit, he is expected to meet with the heads of international organizations as well to discuss issues regarding North Korea. There are a lot of international organizations based in Europe that do play quite a, a large role in uh, dealing with North Korean issues as well, who mm. could have a little bit of leeway or mm. a bit of weight into decisions when it comes to North Korea. So that's pr- probably why the unification minister has joined the president in his trip to Europe. All right. Staying with North Korea related issues, this is our third keyword of the day. End of war declaration. So the Moon administration has been pushing, of course, for an end of war declaration. It has been busy persuading irrelevant parties, such as the U.S., to be on board with the proposal. And Washington is said to be looking into the idea. Uh, Mm. So what's the latest in this story? Yeah, that's about it. Looking into the idea is pretty much... <laughs> and uh, how long they'll take, when right. it when and or if they will join yeah. the sentiment, that remains to be seen. It's a bit hard to tell at okay. the moment. Okay. But uh, Lee Sak-hyun, who is the vice chair...
chairman of South Korea's National Unification Advisory Council, uh, who, which is basically a council that uh, recommends policies to the president, uh, met Mark Lambert, who is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Korea and Japan in Washington. Uh, he quoted Lambert as saying that the U.S. is reviewing the possibility of declaring a formal end to the Korean War from various angles. He didn't specify what those various angles are. Mm. So it is hard to tell whether or not that means the U.S. is open to the declaration. Mm. But Lambert's remark did come after White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan noted possible differences between Seoul and Washington over when a declaration could be or should be made. Mm. Um, One thing to note, though, is that Lambert's remark means the U.S. is actually looking into the idea rather than dismissing it outright. Mm. Uh, So it seems to be uh, listening in on what Seoul has to say. Mm. Uh, The U.S. has also been stressing that it is open to dialogue with the North with no preconditions, but Pyongyang has been unresponsive. Uh, EE said U.S. outreach to the North so far included a dialogue proposal through email. So it's uh, radio silence, though, still from the North um, on that. So whether if uh, the North does respond and Mm. they do end up resuming that dialogue and whether discussions on a declaration of the end of the Korean War comes up. Uh, It's just a matter of time, I guess. All right, on to our fourth keyword of the day. Reactivating nuclear reactor. A closed-door parliamentary audit of the National Intelligence Service was held yesterday and it appears that North Korea is reactivating its nuclear reactor in Yongbyon. Uh, that's, it's a lot of mixed signals if you think mm. about it, but what is the latest? Yeah, according to lawmakers who attended that audit, mm. uh, North Korea may have reprocessed spent nuclear fuel rods mm. at the Yongbyon nuclear complex. They said that could have happened from February to July this year. Now, by reprocessing spent fuel at that facility, the North can produce plutonium for weapons. That is the concerning thing at the moment. Now, the agency's assessment is consistent with the most recent annual report from the International Atomic Energy Agency. In August, the IAEA said Pyongyang had restarted operations at Yongbyon in early July this year. Uh, the, deep, uh, the Democratic Party's Kim Byung-gi told reporters that the possible resumed activity is to emphasize that Yongbyon has strategic values. Mm. Um, Meanwhile, the NIS brushed off rumors about the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's health, uh, which has made a uh, a few headlines in international media as well. And some sensational stories. Right. Uh, They did say he has lost 20 kilograms, but it appears that he has no particular health issues. Uh, The NIS has been using various scientific techniques, actually, like uh, artificial artificial intelligence to track Kim's health, uh, and the technology is apparently so sophisticated that it can catch even minor facial troubles. Now, the NIS added Kim has been out in public as well for 70 days this year. That's around 45% more compared to the same period last year. Mm. Uh, The NIS did say, however, the North's economy is definitely suffering a downturn. Mm. Uh, The trade sum between North Korea and China, its largest trading partner during the past nine months this year, has come to around 185 million US dollars. That's only a third of last year during the same period. But that's prompted by the strict border control, right? That's right, especially Mm -hmm. during the pandemic as well. And yes, the agency cited troubles in trade as the country has cut imports of paper and special ink for printing money. And Mm -hmm. uh, there are some uh, reports suggesting that the North has began to uh, ship some of the cargo that it had stopped because of the pandemic, because Mm -hmm. it is uh, in a bit of a 
uh, economic struggle at the moment. Mm. All right. We're going to turn our attention to the political crisis in Afghanistan now. This is our fifth keyword of the day. Meeting with Taliban. Envoys from 14 nations, including Korea, held talks with the Taliban government's top diplomat in the Qatar capital of Doha. What's uh, really come out of this meeting? Right, not much, apparently, according mm. to a, a South Korean diplomatic source. Uh, the meeting was said to have lasted about an hour, uh, but not much was discussed in depth, according to this source. Uh, it was attended by Korean Ambassador Che Tae-ho uh, and acting Afghan Foreign Minister Amir Khan Mutaki, uh, as mm. well as envoys from some European nations as well. But it was the first time a Mm. a South Korean Mm. uh, high figure was part of such a meeting, right? Right, it was the first time uh, Korea has had a high-level meeting with the interim uh, Afghan government Mm -hmm. uh, since the Taliban's takeover in early August. Uh, it was reported this meeting was reportedly mediated by the Qatari government, hence why it was held in Doha. Uh, the South Korean embassy officials evacuated from Kabul in August and are currently staying in Doha. So that's probably why uh, the Korean uh, envoy did attend. And also there are a lot of Afghan refugees uh, situ- uh, who have relocated to Korea mm-hmm. as well. Right, right. Uh, during the meeting, the envoys, though, did say uh, to have urged the Taliban to abide by international rules and respect mm-hmm. human Human rights, guarantee safe passage to Afghanistan, as well as eradicate terrorism. Of course, the Taliban at the end of the day is classified as a terrorist organization. Mm. Uh, Mutaki uh, reportedly called for the formal recognition as well of the new Afghan government as well as economic support for it. As you can see, fundamentally, there are big differences between what this new Afghan government wants and Mm. what the international community deems appropriate. Mm -hmm. Hence why, with these kinds of meetings, it will take a series of it for us to make Mm. any kind of substantial progress. Yes. But it was a first, so I think Mm -hmm. that's important to note. Yes. On to our last keyword of the day. Routing error. (laughs) You know, it frightens me a little bit, doesn't it? Because uh, how connected we are, how yeah. dependent we are on yeah. these technology, it's its frightening. Uh, it it seems the KT's recent network outage, which caused a lot of disruptions, was indeed due to technical errors at the company. Um, it wasn't hacked. That was the other <laughs> yeah, suspicion initially, yeah. right? So what's the latest? That was the initial kind of uh, presumption. But of course, the company has clarified and confirmed that it is due to uh, pretty much what the, uh, the company's fault, basically. Can the KT chief, Kuyan Moore, reportedly told lawmakers who were visiting the firm's headquarters that the outage was due to routing errors. Now, he said the disruption was caused by errors in designating network routes, which took place while switching to the latest equipment to upgrade services. So, mm. uh, yeah, so some technical uh, difficulties there. Uh, the chief has apologized for the incident and has pledged to compensate customers for any losses caused by the incident. Mm. Now, KT is required, actually, to provide compensation mm. uh, when subscribers of mobile phone plans and high-speed internet, as well as IPTVs, are denied access to services for at least three consecutive hours. Uh, KT's internet error at the time disabled both wired and wireless services from around 11.20 a.m. noon uh, a.m. to noon. Uh, but some disruptions actually right. lasted longer in other regions. Yeah. So, and the firm has said details of the compensation plan will be decided after looking into the damage caused. But uh, one thing for sure is it's quite likely to be a hefty bill. Mm. Mm. Thank <laughs> you so much, Adam, for today's coverage. You're Have a welcome. great weekend. We'll see you, you next too. week. See you next week. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. 
See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.